You're listening to Level Up with Melissa Zalouf from Iron Source. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to Level Up, the podcast for people who love making, growing, and of course, playing mobile games. I'm your host, Melissa Zalouf, and this is the second episode of our series for indie devs called What I Wish I Knew When. Joining me on today's podcast is Antti Hatara, who, um, that's not actually how you pronounce his name. Um, he can do it much better than I can. Um, originally from Finland, but currently in Berlin, Antti is the CEO and co-founder of Starbury Games, the developer behind the hit idol game Coffee Corp, and also winner of Best Indie Developer Award at the Pocket Gamer Mobile Games Awards in 2019. Congrats on that. And what we're going to be covering today is what Antti wishes he knew when first pitching to investors and getting funding for his game startup. So Antti, thank you so much for being on the show with us today. Cool. Thanks for the invite. So um, maybe to, to start, can you tell us a little bit about your journey um, in the gaming industry and how you came to found Starbury? Sure. Uh, so yeah, I've been in the mobile games industry for a while now. Um, I joined Digital Chocolate Studio in Helsinki 2004. So that's what, 16 years ago. And I was still studying at the Helsinki University of Technology back then. I had learned uh, some programming there and, and always ended up choosing to make games when, I, when we got to choose what we work on. And luckily, mm-hmm. the Nokia headquarters was, was really close by. So we got our hands to one of these sexy early Nokia phones, uh, which could actually run games. So, so I made my first mobile game in 2000, 2003 when I made Asteroids Run on a Symbian game. And I think that helped me get the job at Digital Chocolate uh, back then. So... I haven't looked back since, so I've been in mobile games uh, ever since, and uh, that was seven years uh, at Digital Chocolate in Helsinki, where I quickly went from programming to product management. I knew I wouldn't be uh, the best at programming for sure, and then moved 2011 to Berlin, where for for the next five years, uh, I built and managed uh, one of the internal studios at Wuga. And then, uh, yeah, Starberry, or originally Chatterbox, we founded 2017, uh, first making messenger games uh, with HTML5, mm-hmm. and then, then we pivoted uh, and rebranded to Starberry in 2018 uh, to build Idle Coffee and, and hopefully many more great games. And, and how, did you, how did you come up with the concept uh, and mechanics for, uh, for Idle Coffee? Yeah, so so yeah, we decided to pivot from from making the Facebook Messenger games in June 2018. Uh, we had nine months of, of runway left uh, at that stage, <laughs> and uh, and then we sat down to look at kind of opportunities in in casual mobile uh, game space. Uh, we've of course noticed from Berlin the the momentum with Idle Miner Ty- Tycoon and uh, Future Play Games from Finland was pretty close to us, and uh, and so we kind of saw there some chances. And uh, luckily, my co-founder Samir. He had done some idle games before, so he was familiar with the genre. And so we, we, we locked in on, uh, on idle genre from the get-go. That, that's something that we can make in the time before we run out of money. And uh, mm-hmm. so then the next step would be the, the kind of uh, brainstorming for the theme. And uh, so there's kind of like a classic Zynga strategy of farm, city, restaurant. And, uh, and the guys <laughs> in Finland had done farm and city games. So we, we looked at restaurant then. And uh, that that theme was interesting, but it got kind of focused more specifically to coffee because, uh, well, that's Berlin. And there's just an amazing uh, mm-hmm. third wave hipster coffee scene in the city. So. <laughs> 
Uh, interesting. Um, something else that strikes me about your um, background uh, and your story of working in the game industry is getting getting started at, at Wooga actually around the time that mobile free-to-play um, was really emerging on the scene. Um, and I think I'm right in saying you led their first sort of mobile-only project. Um, now, obviously, free-to-play is, um, is prevalent. Um, people have got, got the model down. Well, actually, I guess we don't know. It could get better from here. But the assumption is we've got the model down to a science. Um, but at the time, it must have been very um, a very sort of uncertain time. What was it like? Um, was there a general feeling back then that mobile free-to-play would be, the, be this huge revolutionary shift in the industry? Yeah, I think if, if you would have asked me 2011, back then I, I would have never believed that the, the mobile games industry will, will grow so much and so fast. Free-to-play was was way bigger on social networks like Facebook games. And it felt like that's the kind of uh, bigger opportunity there. Uh, mobile just re- represented an opportunity to, to build kind of additional revenue st- stream on top of the kind of uh, Facebook games. And you would think that, okay, slowly there it will grow. But yeah, our, like that just happened super <laughs> fast. I would have never expected it to be just in a couple of years. So uh, mm-hmm. um, uh, luckily at Buga, Jens did a great great work with uh, recognizing it. And I think everyone at Wooga got a uh, iPhone 4S at the end of year 2011 as a, as a Christmas Smart. present and kind of <laughs> signaling that, hey guys, there's a big shift going. And uh, so. Right, right. And how steep would you say is the learning curve from shifting from traditional pay to play to uh, free to play? Yeah. So yeah, there's kind of two companies I've worked at. Wooga was born free to play because uh, they were on Facebook first. Um, and initially, so there was already like in the DNA of the company, uh, but at Digital Chocolate, where we had done paid, uh, pay-to-play uh, games, uh, in the, like from the get-go, that's where where I witnessed and went through the the jump, and it's especially painful for game designers, going from mm. kind of uh, just thinking of the entertainment experience to actually then trying to put in business into the game design, and that's. Uh, that was very, well, it was very painful uh, to witness, but also it, it, it just, uh, luckily we had kind of the two ingredients. We had product managers with kind of, I hired uh, these guys from uh, business school and, and was managing the product management team. And then we had talented game designers and, and kind of getting both the business and analytical thinking mixed with the gameplay and, and entertainment experience, experience design. That kind of then helped us succeed finally on, on some of the Facebook games with, with digital chocolate. So it's, yeah, there's a, there's a big, big jump from, from game to, to get to games as a service. Mm. Um, and uh, well, moving on to the um, main, although I feel like we could probably have, have dived in a little deeper there too. Uh, I have sort of like three more questions I want to answer, ask you, but I'm not going to. Um, let's 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 move on to the main focus because that's what we promised. Uh, things you wish you knew when pitching to investors. Um, so maybe let's start with the most uh, fun basic question: Why or when does a gaming startup need uh, investment, and what does that money enable? And, and also has that kind of changed, right? Um, was it previously about resources to, to pay designers and, and developers? And is it now more about UA? No, I wouldn't say necessarily so. I, I think kind of the, the why and when you need an investment for a, for a mobile gaming startup. The first thing is you'll, you'll need an experienced team together to be able to make a game today that can compete in the market. So 
either you'll be able to convince the team to join like the company as co-founders without salaries, or then you need money to be able to hire them and, and get them to get even started. So it's, I would say today it's, it's super early when, when you kind of need it. Um, uh, but I guess there's a model in between that some of the people, cause you need that team. So some of them will join early, uh, take the bigger risk and then some will join when, when you've gotten an investment. So typically the first investment just enables the company to, to get the first key hires and, and get that core team together because making, mm -hmm. a, making a game that can compete in the market just takes so much effort. Mm. And do you think it differs across genres? Yeah, definitely. There's a probably a huge difference in, in genres. I've only worked on casual games so far, enjoying that space. And, uh, but it must be a like a whole different story for mid-core and core games where production times are way, way longer and kind of there are small, no small games. So, mm. Do you think it's possible to bootstrap a mobile gaming com company today without funding? Uh, let's yeah. assume you managed to get a core team together who are willing to work without salaries for a while. How long can you sort of last? Yeah, no, no. I, I think that's an interesting question. Uh, and I do think it's possible. Uh, so it's, it's not easy, but it's, it's, it's not impossible. So, so you'll probably need some of your savings and, and kind of, well, you've done the work for convincing them to work um, for free <laughs> uh, in the beginning. But there are alternatives to VC investment. And that's basically funding your company somehow with revenue. So I would say kind of the first things that come into mind and, and which, which we gave a shot as well, it, is that you either ship something first as, your, like a, as a small project to try to get to the market, um, or then you, you'd be able to find a publisher deal uh, that can uh, help you kind of fund the, the development and potentially then turn into revenue, but not giving out any equity. In, okay. And that kind of enables different uh, chances, so... Why was it that you sort of decided to go for the fundraise versus publishing deal route when you did? So we have, we've because uh, now we've done both. We've uh, published Idle Coffee Corp with with Boombit. Uh, so we at that stage we were yeah we had developed Idle Coffee. We did talk to investors, but we were also exploring both of the opportunities. And and it just at that stage there was a better deal with with uh, with publishing. Uh, to be had mm -hmm. and and uh, I, that's kind of opened my eyes as well to this possibility that like if you're if you're wanting to build something uh, and then kind of keeping the independence there are uh, some opportunities for that you, you kind of mm -hmm. just first need your feet in the water that that you've done a game and you have some early metrics and, and then you can probably engage with the publisher no one's going to get you out of your uh, desk at the another company to say that hey here's money and uh, and start a company <laughs> so right so let's say you, you've done that right you've developed your first mobile game or, or game concept um and you want to uh look for investment to help you grow the company where where do you start like imagine for someone who has no experience doing this as i imagine quite a, a lot of developers at the start of their journey um don't have it may seem like a daunting process so kind of what's what's step one yeah no it, it must be a daunting process for for every first-time founder and uh but it, I, there's an easy start so i would always start with getting help and feedback so you just there must be someone uh, in your network that has some experience and hopefully then has also the time and patience to be able to help you. So it's just, uh, people are tend to be very helpful when you just have the courage to ask them for some help. Mm -hmm. and, and I think this is a perfect point where it really comes, 
to kind of uh, to serve serve your your cause. So so I've uh, no matter how experienced you are, I think yeah, I, I started with the company almost after 15 years of working in the games industry. But the first thing was like yeah, just be fairly humble, talk to other founders, no matter if they've worked longer or shorter than you, and it's just founding a company and then kind of building it as a completely different beast so so it, that help definitely comes to uh is, is worth it and uh, and yeah i think a lot of entrepreneurs who've started companies are are uh if you approach them right they're they're they'll always spare some time for you and, and try to help mm-hmm. but yeah also then concretely putting together a pitch deck is is kind of the the key exercise you'll need to be doing because that's gonna put you through uh, some of the questions that that you kind of need to think of most importantly a vision and a plan mm-hmm. interesting um we're gonna come back to pitch decks actually but um before moving away from how to get started i'm, I'm curious about timelines um especially because when when you're talking about getting funding there there are concerns like how much runway you have uh in play how much time did it take you to fundraise um and is it something that developers should plan uh should allot a lot of time to uh or is it something that can can be done um are turnarounds relatively quick in terms of decision making yeah for i think in the early stage it probably always takes maybe a little bit uh, longer and especially for first time founders uh so like in numbers wise, our pre-seed round, which we raised at the end of 2017, took pretty much seven months, uh, and that's that feels like a long time. That's an eternity at, at mm. the stage where where you're at. But I think yeah, we we learned a lot there. We we tried first directly the race from from venture capital uh, funds, and and where we should have just realized that yeah, it's for first time founder. There's a lot of value in raising from angel investors first, the pre-seed round. And uh, and then our second round, the seed round, took about five months from pitch first pitch to to actually money in the bank. And uh, yeah, that's it is my ballpark est- estimate would be that you're going to be spending third or half of your time for for some three months to to get it together. Mm. I, I guess that's just like for someone who who didn't walk in with a like uh, experience of having founded a company before. I think that's mm-hmm. then a completely different story when you've done the real sure. ones. Sure. And and let's go back to talking about the, the pitch deck. Um, you, you successfully uh, closed a, a round or two of funding. Um, so presumably the, the pitch deck was great. What were the key principles that you followed when building it out? Um, what do you think made it effective? Sure. Yeah. Some time has gone, definitely gone into polishing a, a slide deck, uh, Luckily, my previous role as a product marketing person at Digital Jock would help help a bit, a bit with that, but it's definitely worth it. Uh, I guess it's kind of cliche in 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 a way, but it is the story and how to to present it. So the principles I I would say I have for the is for the presentation is it needs to be visual and brief, and for the story, it just simplify it's sim- a simple point is why your team has the chances to execute on an appealing vision that needs to be the story pretty much how important is vision you've mentioned it twice now how important is vision when it comes to investment in gaming do you think that people invest in game teams or in game concepts no that's definitely game teams and vision is fundamental like that's the there is that big difference between like 
building a project and hoping to, to ship a, a successful hit game versus setting on a journey of building a company and the company needs a vision. Like if you have a pro project and a vision for a, for a game that could work, that's not a VC fundable opportunity, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. And what about, I mean, this seems like a, I don't know why it feels a little vulgar, um, but how, how do you decide how much money to ask for? Yeah. Yeah. I guess it's a combo of um, like what you need and what you can get with what valuation. So you'll need to think of the question, even though it's vulgar, but, but you'll need to kind of think for it, but there are some expected, expected values and numbers for different stages of company. So it kind of depends what you have also. So it, whether you just have the team in place and, and a prototype or a playable, or whether you, you've already been able to, to gain some metrics from the game and they look exciting. So, so I think depending kind of on, on your stage, you'll be able to figure, okay, well, what, what a typically a, a company at this stage could could be asking for could would need as well so i think it's kind of a there's a combination of all those things together that kind of a, somehow set the value for for what you uh, mm -hmm. you would be raising i'm i'm this is a little slightly off-piste question and and maybe actually um it's not one you can answer but i'm curious if you have any um perspective on how raising inside the game industry is different to outside now of course if you haven't started companies in other industries i don't know why you would know um but it, it I, i'm sort of curious to understand what the experience of pitching is like when what you're pitching as a game company versus um another kind of average tech startup yeah no i think there's one fundamental difference that comes to mind is kind of it's way more about the team in in games because these people will they might pivot and they might build something completely different but it could still be a great investment and and the right choice i would say generally in tech you probably build the kind of pitch around an idea that you're pursuing and then you're kind of going for a certain piece of the market solving some sort of an issue so solving a problem i think is typically a an advice for when you're creating startup pitch decks for for tech companies so there there's a problem that you're solving in games you're building entertainment like people need and want to be entertained mm -hmm. there's no problem uh, <laughs> in a way <laughs> and uh and then it's more about i think about the team and and uh a bit of the me methods and, and these things the, the actual game idea is not something that is going to be discussed for for lengths at uh, or in detail with investors which it mm -hmm. might be with with other tech companies Mm -hmm. um, were there um, any mistakes you made or things you wish you'd done differently when actually pitching your company to investors? Sure, too many, uh, probably. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I even like said one out loud in a meeting uh, where I, where I I said that yeah, I'm I'm just happy to underpromise and overdeliver, and that's not <laughs> that's not a very good approach for sales. It might be great if you're building a product and you're in the team, uh, which has been kind of the most of the times where I've been. Uh, but yeah, when you're a founder or CEO, you're also a sales guy. And yeah, that's yeah. not a good, great motto for, for a sales guy. So sell the dream, not the practical solution. Is, is kind uh -huh. of... Interesting. Um, let's say your stars have aligned. Um, everything's going amazingly. You've convinced a number of investors to invest in your company. As a founder, how do you choose whose money to take? Um, yeah, yeah. There's, 
there's some criteria for that. Uh, actually, surprisingly, like a lot of things to, to consider, I would say. Um, first of all, maybe the, the kind of chemistry match. So how aligned are your, the approach of the investor and, and your kind of personality and maybe style? So whether you need someone who's supportive, involved, uh, just you'll get a feeling from discussions with investors, whether you kind of would see yourself working with this, with this person in a very complex relationship of, of someone kind of departed with, with a big sum of money and, and you trying to kind of uh, uh, <laughs> fulfill the mission of, of uh, getting successful. Uh, but yeah, there's definitely that chemistry. Uh, of course, there's some value that investors uh, also uh, advertise for. So domain knowledge, uh, connections they have, markets they can help you with, recruitment that they could maybe help you with in some local markets. Uh, there's also the chances for them to help you with the next round of funding, uh, whether they actually can lead it, whether they can participate. Uh, that's kind of something to think of. And then finally, other companies in their portfolio. So that's that could be actually even higher in the list since uh, since uh, they investors like to to get idea exchange going with the, the portfolio companies. There's a bit of a closer co- connection to these these other founders in the portfolio that that can be really helpful in, in more of the kind of domain specific questions. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Um, and finally, the, the million dollar question could, could quite literally be the million dollar <laughs> question. Uh, what are, what are the, um, I've, I've put three here, but the truth is it could be whatever number you want could just mm-hmm. be one. Um, what do you wish, what do you know now that you wish you knew uh, then when you began your fundraising journey? Sure. Uh, I, th- I think the first I've mentioned uh, along the, the discussion that, so as a first-time founder, pre-seed round adds a lot of value. Angel investors can help a lot. So thinking directly that let's go to, to venture capital com- funds and, and pitch there, maybe like for first-time founder, angel investors can provide a lot of value. I'd say also do your soft launch. So First, pitch to friendly investors so that you can get feedback and kind of you can pitch for them again after you've mi- uh, fixed the mistake, mistakes in your uh, pitch deck or, or whatever the pitch or the style. So you just need a little bit of iteration. So that would be your soft launch. And then, then when you're actually going at it, create urgency. So try to do all the talks in a very brief time and only focus on finding a lead investor these are something that uh, some things that I've I've learned over the process and, and would be awesome to have as a like a task list somewhere that yeah do this. Nice. Um, well, Auntie, thank you very much for being on the show today. It's been um, super interesting and I hope really helpful. Um, for- yeah, a pleasure listening uh if they're if they're starting out on their funding journey um and to everyone else thank you as always for listening awesome thank you